11th chapter of the book of Exodus. The tenth and the final plague upon Egypt. Praise the Lord. Pardon all the technical difficulties with the mics and everything. That always seems to put a damper on what we try to do around here. But by the grace of God, we'll get through again as we usually do. Pray for Brother Heath and Sister Pearl. They're traveling, their family, and others as well are traveling. And so please keep them in prayer. Hallelujah. All right. Good to see you. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's good to see him in the house of the Lord. Now tell them I'm glad to be here. All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, the tenth and the final plague upon Egypt. Chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence when he shall let you go. He shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you right now for your mighty presence in this place. Thank you for your anointing, God, to preach and teach your word. We ask, God, that the congregation will receive it. We plead your blood over their ears, God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, this chapter, chapter 11... Uh, gives us some basic things before we get into that final plague connected with the Passover. So let's look at verse 1. The Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. First of all, this is a finality, a final plague. It's the tenth. And final plague, the Lord says, that he's going to bring upon the land of Egypt, a finality. And then the Bible says at that point, Pharaoh will let them go. So there will be a time where he will literally force them out. He will thrust them out altogether. So that what he was uh, apprehensive to do in the past, his heart was hardened. He would not obey the word of the Lord and let the people of God go. Now he's going to change his mind. So what he refused to do in the past, now he will do with zeal. So a lot of times when people uh, have a time in their life where they're refusing to do the will of God, God has a way of changing that so that what they did not want to do in serving God, now they will do it with zeal. Sometimes people's hearts get really hard they don't do what God wants them to do. But with God, all things are possible. He can make them change their mind. Amen. And do what they did not want to do with zeal. And so we see Pharaoh, the Bible says, with this tenth plague, he's going to do it with zeal. He's going to literally thrust them out or literally force them out. Verse 2. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold now this doesn't mean that they're borrowing them with the intention to give them back it means they are requesting from the Egyptians these things the gold 
the silver, the jewels, etc. And the reason why God told them to do that is because they are going to need great wealth to build the tabernacle of Moses, which we have taught you in the past on the tabernacle of Moses. We'll look at it briefly as we go through the book of Exodus. But literally millions and millions of dollars will be needed to build the tabernacle of Moses. So God tells them to get all of this gold and this silver and the jewels, etc. Not so that they can just spend it on themselves, but so that they can build the tabernacle of Moses, which we will look at as we go through the book of Exodus. Verse 3, the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So the Bible says the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. See, they could not have received the answer to that request, which was the gold and the silver and the jewels, etc., if the Lord had not put it in the hearts of the Egyptians to give them those things. Amen. So we see it was God putting favor upon the Israelites from the Egyptians to give them uh, this substance. And then the Bible says concerning Moses. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Now we see a change. Because remember when Moses first had an encounter with God, he asked the question, who am I? In his estimation of himself, he did not think highly of himself. He did not think that he was important. He said, who am I? But now the Bible says that this man who did not promote himself, amen, he was a humble man. He didn't look very highly of himself at the beginning when God first called him as we saw in the third chapter. Now the Bible says that man that did not see himself as important, this man that did not try to exalt himself or his call the scripture tells us this man is now honored and held in high esteem even by the Egyptians so that Moses becomes a very prominent man uh, as they witness God using him but it wasn't again because he thought that he was important he didn't exalt himself he didn't exalt his position amen he wasn't that kind of a man he said who am I now the Bible says that the Egyptians hold him in great, great esteem. Amen. As they saw God using him mightily. Praise the Lord. You know, if you serve God, you don't have to go around and promote yourself. You don't have to talk about how great you are. You have, if you have to talk about how great you are, you're probably not very great. Amen. If you have to tell people how great you are, you're probably not very great. If you just trust God and you humble yourself before the Lord, you might not think too highly of yourself or you might not feel like you're capable. But with time, if you humble yourself before God, God will begin to use you and people begin to recognize that the hand of God is on that person's life. So you want God to exalt you. You want God to honor you. You want God to be the one that puts you in position. We're living in a time, and it's always been that way, where people are always wanting to promote themselves. They want to talk about how great they are. They want to be out front, you know. But I want to tell you something. God looks for people that are humble. He looks for people that don't want to promote themselves, that don't want to exalt themselves. People He can use that, that well, he, he will get the glory and not that person. And I want to be that kind of a person. 
I want to be a meek person. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. That doesn't mean he was weak. Meekness is not weakness. A lot of times when you come across meek people in the ministry, they're taken advantage of. They, they are sort of pushed down and, and um, made fun of or whatever. I remember Brother Edmonds in Taiwan was telling me he went to a conference one time and it was some type of minister's conference and he went up to that conference and he went to the altar to begin to pray and some preacher went up there and stepped on Brother Edmund's hand. I don't know why they would do that. I don't know why they would go and step on Brother Edmund's hand like that. Brother Edmonds is a meek man. He's a humble man. For whatever reason, that person, that preacher thought, you know, I'm just going to step on this man. You know, sometimes people that are humble and meek like Brother Edmonds are going to get mistreated because they, people look at them as weak. Moses was not a weak man. Moses was a meek man. You know what meekness means? Strength grown tender. He was a man that was strong, but his strength came under the control of God Almighty. And that's why God used Moses so mightily is because of his meekness. The meekest man in all the earth, his strength had grown tender. He was not weak. He was a man of power. He was a man of courage. But when God first called him, he said, Who am I? I don't feel like I'm worthy to be called. But God used him in such a mighty way that he was honored even by the Egyptians. Not just by Israel, not just by the church, but by the Egyptians. They honored him because they recognized that God was using that man. You let God exalt you. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And the Bible says in due time, God will exalt you. You don't have to go around singing your own praises. Amen. I even told the cross-country team a couple of weeks ago, I said, when you, if you're successful, I said, you let your accomplishments praise you. You let your accomplishments praise you. You don't walk around and act and call haughty and prideful because of what you've done. People are going to recognize what you've done and you don't need to toot your own horn. In the name of Jesus, God give us a humble church. People that are not trying to toot their own horns, try, trying to put on a show and trying to get the glory. No, no, they're glory thieves. Jesus Christ should be the one that gets the glory. Not me, not you. And if we, get, if we have honor from people, it's because simply we wanted to be used by God. Not because we were looking for that. Amen. So the Bible tells us a man who is meek before God. Not self-exalting. Not talking about his position. Not talking about his power. A man who said at the beginning, Who am I? The Bible says this man has received honor from God. Almighty, to the point that even the Egyptians recognize this great man of God, Moses. Say, praise the Lord. How many of y'all want to be that kind of a person? That's the kind of person I want to be. Hallelujah. It might be that not the choice of the world. The world might not want that kind of person. They want the flamboyant. They want the arrogant. They want the prideful. You know what I'm trying to say today? But God doesn't choose people like that. God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. And I want to be a person that can be used by God. So I want to stay humble before the Lord God Almighty. I want to be a meek person. 
like Moses. But the Bible says this man received favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, in the sight of the people. It wasn't just the church, but the world recognized the greatness of this man. Say praise the Lord. I'm reminded in the word of the Lord in the book of Genesis, where the Bible says whenever the time of the Tower of Babel was built, they were trying to make their name great. You know Nimrod and Semiramis. Semiramis is not even called by name. We talked about it last Sunday night. That woman riding on the back of that scarlet colored beast. False religious systems that are in the world. Semiramis is the background woman for that woman on the back of that scarlet colored beast. We preached it last Sunday. She's not even called by name in the Bible. She's called the Queen of Heaven, so on and so forth. She's a very wicked woman. But she's not even called by name. Nimrod. He's trying to make himself, his name, great. You know? How many of y'all, before you got in the church, ever heard of a man by the name of Nimrod? He's a type of the Antichrist. He's a type of the world leader that's going to come. How many of y'all even heard of Nimrod before you got in the church? Before you got in the church? Yeah, you heard of, heard of him because your dog was named Nimrod. You didn't know who Nimrod was. You just called your dog Nimrod. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the Bible clearly says they were trying to make their name great. But here comes a man by the name of Abraham. At that same time, he leaves her of the Chaldees. He leaves Babylon. He forsakes the idols. He forsakes the false worship that was set up there in Babylon. How many of y'all heard Abraham? He's not even known, he's not just known by Christians. He's known by Jews. He's not just known by Jews. He's known by the Muslims. Even the Muslims hold Abraham in high esteem. Amen? Christians, Jews, and Muslims esteem that man of God, Abraham, highly. He didn't try to make his name great. But you know what God says? He said, I'll make of you a great nation. God said, I'll make you a great nation. And the context was when they were trying to make their own name great at the Tower of Babel, God looks at Abraham and says, I'll make your name great. You trust me, you walk with me, I'll make your name great. I'm not trying to be known. I'm, I'm honest with you, I'm not trying to be known. I don't want to be known unless God wants me to be known. But I'm trying to make Jesus Christ known. I'm trying to glorify God Almighty. Hallelujah. People want me to go. If they do want me to go here and there, I'm hiding. I, I don't want it. I'm not looking for it. Hallelujah. But I'm going to do what God wants me to do. If God calls me to do something, go here and there, I'm going to go and do it. Praise the Lord. But not because I'm looking for it. Hallelujah. Don't go about trying to make your, your name great, trying to exalt yourself, promote yourself. If you got the goods the Bible says that a man's gift will make room for him. You got the good, goods, ladies and gentlemen. If you got the goods, God is going to make room for you. Your gift is going to make room for you. You don't have to go and try to make it happen. You don't have to step on other people to get there. You don't have to be corrupt, hallelujah. 
You just trust God. You believe God. You walk with God. Don't try to make your name great. Let God make if you. If you need to be great, let God make your name great. And that's Moses. Moses was that kind of man. You sit down, you talk to Moses, I promise you. If you didn't know him from the Bible, you sit down and talk to him. You wouldn't even know really how great he was. When he first came in as a shepherd, you'd looked at him just an old stinking shepherd. You wouldn't see value in him. You wouldn't see it, you know, that he's worthy to be honored by anybody. Just a stinking shepherd. Seriously. That were hated by the Egyptians at the beginning. The Bible says Egyptians hate shepherds. When he first walked into Pharaoh's court, you know, Pharaoh had this attitude, who is the Lord that I should obey him? God got his attention. And I promise you, Pharaoh, even though the Bible says the servants of Egypt and Egypt and the people honored Moses, there's one that didn't. You know who it was? That one person that didn't honor Pharaoh or, or Moses, his name was Pharaoh. He didn't honor and did you know, as God, as the Holy Ghost is reminding me, that this Pharaoh right here is not even named in the Bible. We read time after time after time the judgments of God are coming upon this nation, upon this Pharaoh, and not one time do we have the name of that Pharaoh. But he's the one out of everybody else, he's the only one at the end that still continued to despise that man of God. You trust God. You walk with God. You let God make you great. Let God make you. I feel the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is talking to us this morning. He's talking to everybody here today. Amen? You don't have to go and promote yourself. You'd be surprised how many people, even in the world, some people got millions and millions of dollars in the bank account. You were to meet them on the street, you'd never know it. Because they don't try to promote themselves. Are y'all with me today? See, I think they know some things. But you look at some people in Hollywood, you know. It's called Bollywood and as you travel. You travel, you travel over to uh, Dubai and uh, on the plane they, they promote Bollywood. Did you know that? How I many y'all knew that? Bollywood. It's Bollywood to them. It's Hollywood for us. You look at those people that promote themselves in, in Hollywood. You know, check them out after, after their careers. See where they are. See how bankrupt they are. How broken they are. Divorced. All kinds of problems. You know what I'm saying? But they were all about pulling their clothes off. Displaying their bodies trying to make a name for themselves at any cost prostituting themselves just so they could be powerful so they could be famous so that they could have a name and so they could have money where are they today after their careers most of them are broke bankrupt divorced no I'm going to serve Jesus Christ I said I'm going to serve Jesus Christ you come back tonight and I'm going to preach to you 30, 30 seconds of silence in heaven. I'm going to preach to you about some things you need to know. But I want to tell you, there are people today that they want to live for the world. They're trying to make a name for themselves without God, without Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to fail. 
you start out, you humble yourself before God, and God calls you, and you say, Lord, who am I? You trust God to do it in your life. And you watch what God can do. Hallelujah. He can take the lowly, praise God. He can take you from the dunghill and make you a king. That's the kind of God I serve. I have people in the Bible that praise God from taking them from the dunghill and made them a king. I'm not, I don't have self-importance. I know where God found me. I said, I know where God found me. I personally believe with all my heart I'd be dead right now if it wasn't for God saving me. I don't even, if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God, I wasn't worth being saved. I know where I came from. If I'm saved, it was by the grace and mercy of God Almighty. And the fact that I'm standing up before you right now and preaching the Word of God is nothing short of a miracle. I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle where God found me. Daniel came up and talked to me Wednesday night, you know. And he's just now getting in the church and he hasn't even been baptized in Jesus' name yet. He will be. And he's talking about, you know, where he is right now. He's not satisfied with where he is right now. I said, you got to realize something, Daniel. We all started somewhere. I started somewhere. I told him, I said, if you would have seen me when I first got in the church, you wouldn't even recognize me. I had hair down to my shoulders, man. I thought I was cool. Are you with me? You wouldn't. Now look at me. Look how good looking I am. Praise the Lord. But I thought I was good looking then. I was ugly, man. I had old long hair. Praise God. But now look at me. Praise the Lord. I'm just I'm just joking. But I told Daniel, I said, you got to start somewhere. You, you can't expect to be at the end of your road here that you're already there. You haven't arrived yet. You got to keep walking with God as you keep walking with God. God will change. And I want to tell you, you know, you laughing at what I said about myself. Since you got in the church, you've changed too. I, yeah, I don't, I don't hardly recognize some of you from when you first got in the church. I mean, when you first got in the church, I wanted to lock the doors, run out the back door, get in my car and drive off. I'm not kidding you, man. And now you come in here, you've been in the church for two months and you think you big, you know. Praise the Lord. No, I remember where God found me. I tell you, Dan, you just keep on. You keep on this, this road. You keep walking with God. You might not be where you want to be today, but you keep walking with God, and God will change your life. And the very people that you don't think God is going to use is the one he's going to use powerfully and mightily in this end time. And I want to be that man. I want to be used by God. But I got to remember where, where God found me. I got to remember where I came from. And if I'm anything, have anything, or know anything this morning, it's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are anything, you have anything, or you know anything this morning, it's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to give him the glory and the honor. 
Problem is, some of you forgot where the Lord found you. You forgot he found you on a dunghill. Brought you into church. Saved you by his grace. You need to keep walking humbly before God Almighty and be thankful that he even had his eye upon you. That he even gave you a chance. How many people in this world have never heard the gospel that you've heard preach? Never heard the word of God that you've heard preach? You know more about Jesus Christ and more about the Bible than even Moses did. He didn't even know what you know today. You need to be thankful. You need to be, hallelujah, I'm thankful. Before you start letting your old ego and your pride rise up in you, where you think you're so important. No, 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 humble yourself before God and God will bless you. God will anoint you. God will use you. And then when he does and people are looking for you, going to say I, I really don't feel worthy the apostle Paul said who is sufficient for these things I mean he was a great apostle but he said I don't feel sufficient for these things this is a high call that God's called me to it's a high call that God's called you to but if you trust God he can use you how many believe that God found Moses not in a palace. Hallelujah. God didn't find Moses in a palace. God found Moses on the backside of a wilderness. You would think, man, if God's going to look for somebody, he's going to look for him in Bollywood. God's going to look for somebody, he's going to look for him in Hollywood. No. He's going to find you in the backside of the desert. He's going to find you in a welding shop. He's going to find you drilling wells. He's going to find you driving a pick a, a, a truck. He's going to find you in a mechanic shop. Are y'all here with me today? He's going to find you back in a shop somewhere. Nobody even pays attention to you. Everybody else gets to be salesmen, drive fancy trucks, and get an expense account. And you back there in the back in the shop, nobody even cares about you. But God's going to find you there. Give God a hand clap of praise. Man, you, you talk about Moses right here, you know. How he was so esteemed by the Egyptians. You would think, man, this man must have come out of the palace. He must have come out of the president. He must have come out of the White House. He must have been the president of the nation. No, he was a shepherd. God found him on the backside of a desert, met him in a burning bush, and said, Moses, what you see in this burning bush, I'm going to put on the inside of you. I'm going to put my glory on the inside of you. I'm going to use you mightily and powerfully to deliver my people. And he didn't feel like he was worthy of it. Isn't it amazing that some people, even in life, are not very successful, but they want you to think they are. They walk around so prideful and so arrogant. Hallelujah. See, pride is not, listen just to me. Pride is not just found in the, in the rich person's heart. Pride's not just found in a palace or a presidential mansion somewhere. You're going to find pride in a man's heart who lives on the street. It's not limited to how much money you got. It's a problem that's in the heart. 
There's so many people, they haven't done anything in life at all. But they walk around and you think, man, they, they, they invented something. Amen? You think they really have done something in life. And you get to talk to them, you find out they're living on the street. I know you don't want to hear this kind of message. But I'm going to tell you what, that's the pride. That's pride in the heart of man to walk around and exalt themselves and promote themselves. And I'll just tell you this, once you do get blessed by God, and you will get blessed by God, I'm going to tell you, when you get in the church of the living God, you're going to get blessed by God. And when you do, you don't walk around and act like you did it. You don't want to be like Pharaoh, who's nameless. You don't want to be like those people of the Tower of Babel. They, they tried to make their name great. They weren't great. Don't even hardly know them. Know the names. But Abraham, God said, I'm going to make your name great. He made Moses' name great. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> you trust God. And then when you, when, I promise you, you get in the church, God's going to start blessing your life few years because he's a good God even if you don't deserve it and if I don't deserve it he's going to keep blessing your life you're going to look around and see how blessed you are because you humbled yourself and you serve God and you walk with God and when you get blessed by God you don't start walking around even be like Nebuchadnezzar walking out there he looking at his hanging gardens one of the seven ancient wonders of the world that he gave his wife as a gift I want to give you a good big present. One of the seven ancient wonders of the world, the hanging gardens. He walked out there one day, Nebuchadnezzar, he said, look at this great Babylon which I built. Next thing you find out about Nebuchadnezzar, he's lost his mind eating grass in the field like a wild animal. Hair grew like feathers of a bird. His fingernails grew, grew like claws. Because he's walking around talking about, look what I've done. Look at this great Babylon that I built. He lost his mind. And finally at the end, he, the Bible says he lifted up his eyes to the God of heaven. He lifted up his eyes to the most high God. The maker of heaven and earth. The most high God. The one who's in charge of heaven and earth. Everything in heaven and earth. The most high God is in charge. But it was after he went through that time. Where he, where he lost his mind. Where he then lifted up his eyes. To the God of heaven. The most high God. Hallelujah. Maker of heaven and earth. The one that's in charge. Even Nebuchadnezzar had to lift up his eyes. But what got him in his problem was when he started talking about, look what I've done. There's another one that I need to tell you about. He was an angel. He was the anointed cherub that covereth. He covered the throne of God. He protected the holiness of God. He was right, you talk about the right hand of God Almighty. He was an archangel that covered. He protected the holiness of God. And the Bible says he got lifted up in pride. He wanted the throne of God as well. He wanted position. He wanted power. 
He said, I will five times in Isaiah chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 28 talks about this angel. His name was Lucifer. He let pride get in his heart and he drew a third of the angels with him, the book of Revelation says. Where did it all come from? His ego. It all came from his pride. God cast him out of heaven like a lightning. There's some things God won't tolerate in his kingdom. And that's pride. And that's arrogance. He'll cast it out. I don't want it. I don't want that thing that destroyed angels. I don't want that thing that destroyed Pharaoh. The Bible goes on and on and on. It tells us that Pharaoh refused to humble himself and let the people of God his pride, Pharaoh's pride. You got to keep your pride in check. I got to keep my pride in check. It's what caused an angel to be cast out from heaven. It's what caused Nebuchadnezzar to lose his mind. It's what caused Pharaoh to lose his son. We'll see Pharaoh's son is going to die. And God told him, God warned him, gave him opportunity after opportunity. God told him, he said, I'm going to send a plague on your heart. Not just natural or physical plagues. I'm going to send a plague on your heart. You're going to have so much pain inside, so much agony inside. I want to tell you something. There's nothing like going through a heartache. There's nothing like grieving in your heart. You might be able to experience physical things that come your way. But you ever get your heart broken. God said, I'm going to send a plague on your heart. I'm going to cause you to have, have a broken heart. I'm going to cause you to experience so much grief. You can't even imagine, Pharaoh. And we'll see it in the 12th chapter. The Bible says, There was such weeping in the land of Egypt. When the firstborn died, those that didn't have the blood applied, the firstborn died. Such a weeping and a lamenting and crying like Egypt had never seen and has never seen before. Heartbroken. Why? Because of his pride. Because of his arrogance. He refused to do the will of God. A man of God came to him by grace and gave him opportunity after opportunity. But he said, no, I'm going to harden myself against God. That came from his pride. I rebuke pride in me. I rebuke pride in you. Selfish motivation. You think you're so important. You need to get rid of your self-importance. You need to get rid of your ego. You need to get rid of your pride. You'll never live for God. I promise you, you won't like this preacher's preaching. You won't like me. You won't like my preaching because you come in here and you're so charismatic. You're so full of yourself. You think, I, I love God. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Let me tell you, God's going to tell you what to do. God will tell you what to do. When he told Israel to get the Passover lamb, he told them what to eat, when to eat it. I don't want God telling me what to do. He's going to tell you what to eat and when to eat See, that religious spirit, that charismatic spirit, being religious is a pride. That's the worst pride you can ever get is to get religious pride, spiritual pride. Hallelujah. You can have social pride. You can have religious pride. Amen. You can have racial pride. 
You got to get rid of all of it. I got to get rid of all of it. Let us esteem one another above ourselves. Let us walk around think I'm more important than you. I'm not more important than you. I'm just trying to fulfill the call of God in my life. Say praise the Lord. I know you don't want to hear it, but I'm going to hit your pride right between the eyes. It'll cause you to be destroyed. It'll cause you to destroy your family. It causes nations to be destroyed. It caused an archangel to be cast out of heaven. And a third of the angels, a third of the church went with him. A third of the church went with him. It all came from pride. We need to humble ourselves before God. I humble myself before you today, praise the Lord. As I preach to you. It's a humbling thing to stand up and preach. Hallelujah. I, I, most preachers will tell you before they ever get up here and stand here to preach, they're scared to death, most preachers. It's a humbling thing to stand and preach the Word of God to people. And everybody's eye looking at you here. Well, I wish I could be a preacher. All the glory and all, yeah, fame. Look, he makes a lot of money too. You should have seen me when I first started the church. You with me here today? After, you know, we got credit for some deductions we had. We lived on $7,000. How many of y'all can live on $7,000 a year? You say, well, you had a church that supported you. No, know, the first year and a half, we took all the tithes, and we put every, every drop of the tithe back in the church. First year and four months, first year and a half. Didn't even receive the tithe that, that we could have received, and I, we needed it at that time. We, we lived on the wages of a lawnmower. That's the way we lived. Trying to start the kingdom, starting the church for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, you know what I'm saying. But God is good. And you start looking at a preacher and you see how, you know, they're blessed. And, and I'm blessed financially now. I don't live on $7,000 a year now. But I did then. So I wish I could be a preacher. All the power and the fame and the wealth, the money. Oh, yeah, yeah, you have no clue. God will bless you over a period of time if you're faithful to Him. But sometimes you've got to start with humble means. Hallelujah. The Bible says through the prophets, despise not the day of small things. You've got to start small. You can't start at the top. You've got to start small. If you're not willing to start small, you'll never be used by God in this kingdom. Those days, I, I give God the glory those days. My baby girl, Victoria, we started the church and Victoria was born. And I'll tell you what, you talk about, I could have needed some money then. But we're trying to get a church started. We're putting the money in the kingdom of God. Do you understand what I'm telling you? By faith, just mowing yards. Pastoring, preaching, mowing yards. Now I mowed yards because it gave me more ability to be a pastor. More freeness of time. You understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you today, by the grace of God, it's a humbling thing to be a pastor. It's a humbling thing to preach the gospel. I'm not where I was, thank God. 
But I want to tell you something. I didn't come into this because of the glitz and the grammar and the wealth and the power and the acclamation that was going to come. I, I started in a lowly place. I know where God found me. I said, I know where God found me. Those of you who've been with us for a while, you know where we were. We started a church in a machine shop. Anybody hearing the Word of God? We started the church in a machine shop. It didn't even have a roof like this. Didn't have a ceiling like this. It was bare metal. We, we started a church in a barn. No carpet on the ground. Chairs that we bought from Sam's Club. I remember when I was in an organization, the, the district superintendent, I mean a man of position, he came in the winter time. That's not the time you go to our church back in those days. We had one little old shop heater over in the corner, something like you see in the dining hall, to heat up that, that area, you know, pretty good size area, just one shop heater. And, uh, you know, no insulation, no roof. And, and uh, district superintendent called me and said, Brother Carter, I'd like to come by and visit with you at, in service. I said, sure, come on. Well, it just happened to be one of the coldest days of the year. Ooh. He walked in there. He was, he was cold. He was so cold. I was too. Of course, when you get to preaching, you get a little, a little warm. People out there, some of y'all, how many of y'all were there when, when he came? You know, maybe some of y'all were there when he came. And he said, y'all had to... had coats on, you the bargains. I mean, it, it was like ice on the outside, but it felt like it was snowing on the inside. That's how cold it was. I'm not, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. for service he was cold he, he just stayed a few minutes he was out of there and he called me we talked the next day he said brother Carter he said I'm going to help you I'm going to help you he was so cold in there he said you need some help brother Carter I said okay I said brother that, that'd be fine if that's what you want to do that'll be fine and uh you know, God stopped that. Do you know I never saw any help from the organization that I was a part of? And, and I, that, that, that's not a put down. I thank God. I thank God that the organization didn't send me money. I thank God that the district superintendent didn't send me money. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes when you get money coming to you, they want to control what you're doing there. I'm not putting anybody down. He had good intentions. He's a good man. He's a good man. But it didn't happen for us. And there were times when we were struggling. And <clears throat> hallelujah. But we always, we always, without hesitation to tell you, always, no matter what we face, never was late on one bill. We paid every church payment. We paid
paid every light bill. We paid every gas bill. We were not even late to pay those payments. And we started with less than five people. And my baby girl was here. Sure, we could have used the money from the organization to help us. But God stopped that. Give God praise. He said, no, I don't know what God's ultimate plan was, but he stopped it. And there were times when I was thinking in those days, boy, that money would be good right now. Sure would be helpful right now if the organization would send me some money. You never see it. And later on, we felt led of the Lord. And I, I'll say it's, I'm not going to blame it on God, but I just felt led that I don't need to be a part of that organization anymore. And just, just trust God and went out and now trying to do the will of God without being a part of an organization. Just trying to fulfill the call of God. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you, church? I remember those low, those lowly days. I remember those days I'm talking to you about. Those humble beginnings. Hallelujah. The day of small things. I remember them. They made me who I am. They made this church who it is. In the summertime, it gets so hot out there. You know, I feel like you didn't even have any shade. It gets so hot in there. We had the air conditioner, you know, a little a little office partition. It was partitioned off of the main building. And air conditioner, nice air conditioner up there. It was central air up there, man, in the office. So we'd open all the doors and we'd get fans and we'd blow that cold air out there in that big metal shop just to get a little relief. Well, we got smart one day, looked up and said, there's really not that many of us out here, so let's just go into the air-conditioned rooms. So we had church in a Sunday school classroom, basically, what you would, what we have today is a Sunday school classroom. We had church in that, in those rooms, just to try to stay cool. Hallelujah! Remember praying in those days for fans. We needed fans. At least we get some fans. Might not be able to get an air conditioner, but at least get some fans for that shop area where we're having church. And but God, I need nine hundred dollars. $900 and we're going to have to install them. They don't mean they're going to bring them in and put them in for us. I need $900 for the equipment and we're going to have to put them in, me and Brother Mike Gray. I didn't get up before the church. I didn't say, hey church, I need $900. You know what I did? I went to God in prayer and I said, God, I said, I need this amount of money to be able to get these stands and Whatever else was necessary. You know that God heard my prayer and a man walked up to me and gave me basically the figure that I needed. $900. See, if I'd have got up and I'd have told the church, I need $900, there'd be no miracle to that. But when you pray it down, when you pray it in, and you see God do it, 
You start in a low place. You trust God. You walk by faith. God will turn it around. God will bless you. And look what the Lord has done for us. We've never missed one payment on anything in over 20 years. We started in that church in Brazos and now we're here. This church is completely debt free. Everything that we have done, all the remodeling, all the refurbishing that we have done, and all these buildings, all the painting, the chairs, everything. We just had a meeting just the other day with the trustees. What we've done in one year's time. Completely debt free. You owe zero. Trusting God, obeying God, buying, buying property when God told us to buy the property. Sold the property when God told us to sell the property. God bless this church. So when I stand up and I preach to you, you're like, boy, I'd like to be that man. Ooh, he blessed. Nice house. You don't know what, where I came from said you don't know where I came from I give all, God all the glory that's why I tell you that if I have anything if I know anything and if I am anything it's by the grace of God almighty you start walking around and you start thinking about, look what I've done how great I am you need to get on your face before God you need to fall on your face before God and ask God to forgive you of that pride That's why I tell you. There's some people, they, they don't want to come here. You don't want to hear this preacher preach. Because you've got so much religious pride in you, so much spiritual pride in you. I want to walk with God the Bible way. I see things sometimes differently from the way you see them. There's a reason for it. I've been through some things. I've seen God do some things for me. Hallelujah. You think I'm going to change that? When I've seen miracles from God's hand, when we prayed for specific amounts of money, God delivered. Hallelujah. When God told us when we did have a loan on this property here, God told us, he said, you believe for $50,000 52 days. He told me to step out in faith and speak to this church and tell this church we're going to raise $50,000 in 52 days. And we're not selling turkey plates. We're not going to sell enchilada plates or peanut, peanut brittle. You know how we're going to do it? By the offerings of myself and by the offerings of you. We're good. And we were smaller than we are now. $50,000 in 52 days. For it to happen, it'd have to be a miracle for me. I stood up and told the church what God told me. I said, God has told us to do this. We're going to do it by the offerings of the people, not by fundraisers. $50,000 came. 52 days and we were able to pay hallelujah give God praise I'd have to go back and look but I think at that time with that amount of money is 
either the first installment or the second installment that allowed us to pay off this church completely. It's called walking with God by faith. It's called humbling yourself. It, uh, Daniel, it's not about being at the top right now. It's not about being at the end of the road. It's about walking with God and trusting God and knowing God can do it and praying it in when you need it and believing God can do it. Giving praise. I thank God for what God has done for me, for what He's done for you. Sometimes God will call you to sacrifice. And many of you today, in this church, you could stand up and you could testify of those days I'm talking about. And you could testify and you could say, God challenged me to give. When I didn't have it. God challenged me to give when I didn't have it. And I did it anyway because I believe that God was speaking to us. And you could stand up the same way I'm testifying. And you could say, I can say the same thing pastor said. My lowly means, my humble place, that where God found me. But look what the Lord has done for me today. You could be saying the same thing I'm saying. How dare us get full of pride now. It's the grace of God that keeps me here. Once he gets you there, it's going to be the grace of God that keeps you there. And all these years in serving God, I'm going to tell you, my God is a faithful God. Even those days when we first started the church, mowing yards, all these years I've served God, do you know not one time have I ever missed paying my because of a lack of money. You know, sometimes we might just forget and, and, and you know, just a couple of times just forget that the bill was due, that kind of thing. But I never, not one time, from the moment God, I, I stepped in and, and obeyed God's call in my life, not one time have I ever lacked money to pay my It's not what you don't have. It's what you have. It's prayer. It's the name of Jesus. And I remember, I'm, I'm just, I don't know why God's having me preach this because I wasn't planning on preaching to you. But I remember sitting on that tractor mowing a yard one day. Dorothy. Remember Dorothy Mark? What was her last name, Brother Mark? Uh, Dorothy. Remember, I think it was on Custer, wasn't it? Yeah, Custer, yeah. Um, Dorothy, I was mowing her backyard on that little riding mower. And I had just started receiving income from the church. In those days, it was about $250 a week. Receiving the tithes from the church. And I was receiving those tithes, and I, I, I'm telling you the truth. I felt bad about receiving those tithes. And I was sitting on that tractor and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and he said, do you not believe that what you do is of any value at all? I said, no God. I said, it's not, it's not bad. I just, you know, I just feel bad about it. 
do you not believe that what you do is of any value or not? I said, of course, God. He said, you receive the tithe. Through the years, God has blessed us abundantly. Hallelujah to the, to the name of Jesus Christ. But I'm, I'm trying, I, maybe God wants me to give you this testimony so some of you will start really walking by faith instead of talking about walking by faith, really walking by faith. And some of you have, and some of you could stand up, and some of you say, yes, pastor, that's me. I've been there. I know God can do it. He has done it. And not one time did we ever miss bringing our tithe to the Lord. You can say, well, you need it. No. He said, I just can't afford, I just can't afford to bring it. You can't afford not to bring it. It's God's ability, it's God's avenue to bless your life. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And I'm, I'm not going to take up an offering today. I'm not preaching so I can take up an offering today. The only times you ever heard me take up an offering was when God told me to do it. And the other, other time we just simply trusted God. I never ask. I never ask. I trust God. But when God's Word said, you do this, then the Word of the Lord came to you. And we did it. Hallelujah to the Lord. He's an awesome God. Don't be tempted to be a Nebuchadnezzar. Don't be tempted to be an archangel named Lucifer. Don't be tempted to be a Pharaoh. Be a Moses says, who am I? God can use, who am I? Yeah, look at your neighbor and help me preach. Say, who am I? God can use who am I he is I am he met Moses on the back side of the desert and said I am that I am Moses said who am I you the moment you start walking around saying I am then you're trying to make yourself God no there's only one I am his name is Jesus Christ you say who am I he's the I am who am I I mean, I love God. I mean, I thank God for the words you're hearing preached this morning. You want to get God's attention? You walk by faith. I said, you walk by faith. You trust Him. You don't look to me, and you look to God Almighty. And God will use me. Hallelujah. You don't promote yourself. You don't talk about how powerful and how great you are. You let God raise you up. Because one thing about it, you like that, Daniel? One thing about it. He said he's going to write a book. He said, Pastor, you won't write the book, so I'm going to write it for you. So you want to be a pastor is the title of the book. So you want to be a pastor. I told him, I told him a long time ago, I said, if I ever write a book, I'm going to call it, so you want to be a pastor? Big question. If you don't write it, I'm going to write it. I'll write it for you. He said, but I don't know what to do with boy howdy. He said, I put that in there, they're going to read boy. What is that? 
Oh boy, or what what was it you said to me? Oh howdy, you know. Hallelujah. You gotta be careful talking like that boy howdy and stuff. Sister Lori, you know, she's the track coach, cross country coach. I heard her say something like that, something like that. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> Amen. I thank God. God, I'm telling you today, as I stand before you, I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle in salvation. I'm the last person in this church right now that should be standing here preaching to you. But God will call you. Hallelujah. He'll find you wherever you are. If you're a willing vessel and you're willing to walk by faith and you're willing to trust Him and after He blesses you, you just keep giving Him the glory. You keep giving Him the honor. You don't take it for yourself. start talking about who you are you start getting concerned with power and position and titles then you got to live up to it Whew. I'd rather nobody I'd rather not call myself anything hallelujah and if you want to call me something you want to call me pastor that's fine you know whatever I'd rather have you do that I don't I start calling myself stuff then now I gotta live up to it he says he's pastor he says he's bishop you understand what I'm saying? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> I'm not bishop. He's bishop. He's bishop. And Bishop Jonathan Lemons. Hallelujah. I started calling him bishop before he ever became a bishop. I called him bishop by faith. And he started walking like a bishop. He started talking like a bishop. He started wearing colored shoes like a bishop. <laughs> I go, I look at his shoes, man. Carver Hall, look at his shoes. I said, you get away with that. I can't. I can't get away with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just want, I want to stay little in my own eyes. A man by the name of Saul, when he was little in his own eyes, God anointed him to be the king of Israel. He got lifted up in pride, started disobeying God. He was slain in the battlefield. Stay little in your own eyes so God can use you. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to get very far in this message because the Holy Ghost has taken over this message this morning. I want Him to take over. I want Him to take the reins. I want Him to speak through me. I don't want to hinder God. Give, it, give the Lord. He's worthy. He deserves a huge round of applause. It's all about Jesus. Help me, please. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all about Jesus. You have anything, know anything, or you are anything, it's because of Jesus Christ. The grace of God Almighty. Hallelujah. Say amen. Say amen. There's not a lot of people that would want me to be a pastor. There's not very many people who would want you to be in their church. You walk in here. 
You know, like you grace in the church house, grace in the presence of God, and grace in the church because you came today. If you wouldn't have come today, nobody would probably even know it. Except me. God and your pastor probably be it. Everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Well, where do we get all this? This pride of life. Pride of life. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. And the pride of life. I deserve more than I got. I deserve better than I'm getting. Say amen. By the grace of God, you are what you are. Paul said it. Who is sufficient for these things? He called himself the chief of sinners. The chief of sinners. You line a row of people. From the number one sinner all the way back, those people that are going to be in hell. And Paul said, you, make, you put me in the very front. I'm the number one sinner. I'm the chief of sinners. I am what I am by the grace of God Almighty. Chief of sinners, Paul said. I remember witnessing to a man, truck driver. He used to come to the shop when I was working for a company named Bill Equipment. He'd come and pick up the freight. <clears throat> He was rough, man. Smoking cigarettes. Poof, spitting them out. I liked him. No, I thought, I thought he was a cool dude, really. I started witnessing him about God. Witnessing him, you know, about the Lord. He, he said, no, he said, I, I can't be saved. I don't believe I can be saved. I mean, he threw those things so hard, he penetrated the ground with them. I don't believe I can be saved. I said, if God can save Paul, he can save you. Because Paul said he was the chief of sinners. How many God found you in the dung heap? How many, how many of you got a testimony this morning? about where you are today, but where God found you. You need to give Him praise. You need to give Him glory. What He's done through your life, you need to commemorate it. You need to commemorate it. You need to testify the goodness of God in your life. So the Bible says in verse 3, the Lord gave the people favor. In the sight of the Egyptians, moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt. In the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. The only one that despised that man, that despised Moses, was Pharaoh. And he's nameless. God said, I'm going to judge him. and He was judged. He was drowned in the depths of the Red Sea. He and his armies. Moses and God's people went out free by force. Pharaoh didn't want to obey God, hardened his heart, and God said, all right, I seal your fate. You don't want to obey me? I've sent judgment after judgment after judgment, and you're reprobate. Pharaoh became reprobate. You know what reprobate is, brothers and sisters? 
Reprobate is when you say no to God and you say no to God. His mercy, His grace keeps coming to you. He judges you, sends a judgment, sends a problem, sends a trouble, but you won't listen to Him. You won't obey Him and pretty soon you'll get to a place where you can't obey Him. You, you become, as Paul said, except I be reprobate. What Paul's saying is this, you can go so far in your rebellion and so far of your rejection of God's grace that you'll get to a place in your life you've crossed the line and you won't be able to respond to God. And I don't know when that is for an individual. Only God knows when that is. But in Pharaoh's case, the Bible says... God sealed his fate and said, I have hardened Pharaoh's heart. He's reprobate. Warning after warning. Even judgments from, really they were the mercies of God to try to get the attention of Egypt. Not just Israel, but to get the attention of the world. To get the attention of Egypt. You'll see it tonight in the book of Revelation. What God is doing right now is to try to wake the world up. Trying to wake the church up. Trying to wake the world up. I preached a few weeks ago about Ezekiel 38. What to look for. The Russian bear. In a coalition with Iran. I preached it a few weeks ago. And you started sowing it gradually coming to pass. The Russian bear is in a coalition with Iran. The Russian bear is in Syria. The Russian bear is in Syria and Iranian troops are marching. They're going to put ground troops in Syria. As soon as the Russian bear went into Syria and I found Iranian ground troops were going into Syria, what came to me is he's positioning himself to move into Israel in fulfillment of Ezekiel 38. It wasn't so he could go and fight ISIS. I knew it before when he said he was going in. I knew why he was going in. To get closer to Israel. To get position in the Middle East. To try to take it over according to Ezekiel 38. I'm not saying we'll, we'll see the fulfillment of it. But I can tell you, you see this stage being set right now. And I preached it to you about a month ago. What to look for. It's coming to pass. Give God praise. You say, Pastor, nothing happened when the blood moon came. Really? Are you sure about that? Are you sure nothing happened when the blood moon came? You realize Pontifus Maximus was in the United States of America when the blood moon came? That is a huge prophetic event that I preached on last Sunday. How do you know nothing happened? Do you know everything that's going on behind the scenes? Do you know the plans that people are planning right now? Did it start the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period because it was the beginning of a new seven-year cycle? September, Rosh Hashanah, was the beginning of a, the, the Jewish New Year. Rosh Hashanah in September, the beginning of a Jewish year. But not only that, the beginning of a seven-year cycle. Could it be that that signaled the beginning of the day of the Lord? The beginning of 
the seven year tribulation period no just because you don't see some specific thing you're looking for doesn't mean that that was an insignificant event I'm telling you things are moving end time things are moving right now and the last thing you want in your heart is pride the last thing you want in your heart is self importance you want Jesus to be enthroned in your heart I don't know much about the book of Revelation even though I preached to it probably just I don't know how many times I preached the book of Revelation I don't know much about the book of Revelation but I can tell you one thing I know about the book of Revelation Jesus is enthroned on his throne today give the Lord a hand clap of praise so all those judgments that came upon the land of Egypt was God trying to wake people up it was really his mercy it was really his grace you believe it. So we look at the word of God and we see this man Pharaoh just say, kept saying no to God, no to God. God said, all right, I seal your, I seal your judgment. God said, this is, the, this is it. The Lord said in Moses, yet will I bring one plague more. That one plague, God says, I'm going to bring one more. It has a sense of finality to it. You wouldn't listen to the previous nine. I'm going to send one finality. I'm, I'm God saying, you're reprobate, Pharaoh. You're reprobate. You've crossed the line, Pharaoh. I'll say this, anybody and everybody still has a chance to be saved. No matter where they are right now, they still have a chance to be saved except they be reprobate. You cross that line of hardening your heart against God Almighty. You cross that invisible line and I don't know where it is, but God does. That's what's, that's what's so serious. You cross that line. And God says, all right, I harden your heart. I seal your judgment. You're reprobate. That means you couldn't come back to God because you wouldn't want to come back to God. That means you have already been judged. Your judgment is already set. You will be in hell before you die. Your judgment is set. So the longer you say no to God and the longer you harden your heart to God and you can act man yeah I know God I know his word I don't even want to get close to that line called reprobation I preach it to you before because every step you take towards reprobation every step you take is harder to turn back you keep walking that invisible line of rebellion and disobedience to God and harden your heart against God and someday you'll step across that line called reprobation and you can't get back God said this is it this is finality time and if you're not listen church I'm going to tell you something today if that doesn't put conviction in your heart 
You're already moving close to that line. As for me and my house, I'm going to do my best to stay as far away from that invisible line called reprobation as I possibly can. And if God has to send a trouble to wake me up, God has to spank me to wake me up, I'm going to say, yes, Lord, I hear it. If I get off the path, if God's got to spank me to get back on the path, I'm going back to God. Pharaoh. Final judgment. One final judgment is coming. You wouldn't listen to the grace of God and the mercy of God. You would not humble yourself and obey God. God says, I seal your judgment. God says, I harden. Pharaoh, you and your household and your servants, your heart is going to have so much pain so much grief you'll hear the weeping through the land of Egypt you'll hear the devil mourn when they left Egypt and we'll preach it it won't be today I was planning on going all the way through the 12th chapter but it won't be today but when we get to the the 12th chapter and we see the weeping in the land of Egypt the devil mourn when God's people walked out free, the devil mourned. You could hear Pharaoh crying in the palace when he lifted up his dead baby in his arms. His servants lifted their dead babies in their arms. And, and every house, the Bible says, there was not one house that was exempt, that didn't have the blood applied. Every house that didn't have the blood applied, the judgment fell on that house. And there was such a wailing and lament that took place in the land of Egypt. Never heard before. The plague of plague hit their heart. Not just their physical life. You want to stay away from that. I said, you want to stay away from that. Pharaoh kept despising Moses. Kept despising Moses. Kept hating Moses. Moses kept bringing the word of God. The warnings of God. The judgments would come. He kept hardening his heart. Hardening his heart. And then God says, all right, I see you. Judge. You're reprobate. Pharaoh eventually forced them out because of the plague that will fall upon him. The Bible says in verse 4, Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt. God tells him the time of the judgment. It's going to be at midnight. You know how things are at night. Things are always worse at night than they are in the day. God said, I'm coming at midnight. I'm coming in the darkness. I'm coming in a time in that darkness that will create, create terror and horror. You know, if the death angel had passed through Egypt in the daytime. But no, God says it's going to happen at midnight in darkness more terror and more fear 
That's what God says at midnight. He tells them the time of the judgment. He says it's a final judgment. He says this is the time. It's about midnight. Will I go out into the midst of Egypt? Look at this. God said, I'm going to do it. You got to catch that. God said, I'm going to be the one that goes through Egypt. I'm going to be the one that brings the judgment. It's going to be at midnight. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the meal, and all the firstborn of beasts, everybody. No one will be exempt from that judgment. Only those who have the blood of Jesus applied to their life. And when the judgments of God begin to fall upon the earth in the tribulation period, only those that have the blood of Jesus applied to their life will be spared from those mighty judgments that are going to come upon this world. The blood of the Lamb is going to save. The blood of the Lamb is going to protect. But if you don't have that blood, judgment's coming on you. I don't just say it to the world. I say it to you sitting in this church house right now. If you don't have the blood applied to your life, not just blood that was shed, but blood that's been applied. We know Jesus' blood has been shed, but has his blood been applied to your life? And if that blood has not been applied to your life, the judgments of God are going to come upon you. And the wailing and the weeping and the crying that will be heard in the region of the damned called hell. You don't want to be there. You say, Pastor, I don't think I will be. I haven't arrived yet. And I'm living like I haven't arrived yet. You haven't arrived yet. Come on, what's going on with y'all? What's going on with y'all? You need to shake yourself. We need to shake ourselves. I'm not in heaven yet. I can still be in hell. I can still be deceived by the deceiver. I can still backslide. I don't plan on it. But if you want to hear the warning of God, you want to hear the message of judgments that's coming, then the Bible tells us there'll be a wailing and a lament heard from the pits of hell coming from the lips of those who were warned by God. I don't want to be there. I haven't made it yet. I have, I have obeyed that form of doctrine that was delivered by the apostles. I have obeyed that form of doctrine. I've been water baptized in Jesus' name. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. I've obeyed that form of doctrine. But the Bible says that I must walk in holiness before God. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. He told Nicodemus, except you be born again of the water and the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He also said, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I'm not in heaven yet. You're not in heaven yet. You better live for God with all of your heart. You better obey the word of God when it comes to you. The only one that despised Moses was Pharaoh. He influenced his house. He influenced his servants influenced the land of Egypt it brought the judgment of God 
I don't know about you, but I want to hear the word. I want to hear the word. I want to obey the word of God. I'm going to believe God. Make sure the blood's applied to my life. You said, okay, pastor, you, you told me that I need to have the blood applied to my life. We'll get there next week. The blood was applied in three places. The lamb, it's the blood of the lamb. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that brings salvation and protection. But as we'll see next week, you have to go and choose it. If you don't choose the blood of the lamb, even though the blood of the lamb has been shed, if you don't choose the blood and then apply it to your life, you won't be saved. Jesus shed his blood, the blood of the lamb, but you have to choose him and you have to apply that blood. It was applied in three places. The top of the door and the two side posts in the shape of a cross. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Three places applied by the believer. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, Repent. Be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Three places. It's not just confessing Jesus as your Savior. You must apply the blood in three areas. Repent, water baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And it's applied by the hyssop, which is a type of faith. What if they'd have walked out and just applied the blood in one place? The firstborn would have died. The judgment would have come. You have to you, you and I must obey the word of God. Its types are there for us. The pictures are there for us. Now we have the reality of it. We know what they mean. But everybody that didn't have that blood applied according to this verse, all the firstborn, the land of Egypt, shall die. God said, I'm going to do it. You took my firstborn Israel and you slew those babies in the Nile River. You took my firstborn Israel and you mistreated them when they were in slavery and many of them died. And God says, so now, in coin fashion, I'm coming back in reciprocation and I'm going to judge your firstborn. I'm going to judge your firstborn. Not one house was exempt, church. Not one family was exempt, church. Even the cattle. Firstborn of the cattle. And when we talk about cattle, we're not just talking about, you know, oxen or beef. The cattle of sheep. The firstborn of every animal, a cattle that didn't have the blood applied. Are you thankful that you got the blood applied? Man with a blood moon, I'm going to get the blood of Jesus applied to my life because the judgments are going to begin to fall. But if you're covered in the blood, you'll be protected by the blood. You're saved by the blood. You're protected by the blood. 
I'm saved by the blood. I'm protected by the blood. How many of y'all thank God for the blood? You have to have the blood. And the blood has to be chosen. And the blood has to be applied. Somebody said, well, I believe Jesus shed his blood for me. That's not enough. You have to apply it to your life. The blood is in the name of Jesus. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, said, as there was none like it, not shall be like it anymore. Broken hearted, grief in the heart like never before. The devil mourning over his losses. The devil cried like he had never cried before. When the blood of the Passover lamb was, that lamb was slain, that blood was applied, and then the death angel came and killed the firstborn, the devil cried like he never cried before. He wept when the people of God were delivered. Except when Jesus hung on the cross, when they nailed the Christ of God to the cross, when they nailed your Savior to the cross, the devil liked to laugh himself to death. They thought, we got rid of this Jesus. He liked to laugh himself to death. But on the third day when Jesus rose again from the dead, he liked to cry himself to death. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's my Savior. He's your Savior. If you want to be spared the judgments of hell, if you don't want to weep and lament in hell, if you don't want to be in that place, you have to have the blood applied. So, listen, he shed his blood, but have you chosen the blood? And have, do you have it applied to your life? Don't die and wake up in hell and say, I thought I was going to make it. Make sure before you die that your blood apply, is applied to your life. Give God a praise today. Thank God for the blood. Verse 7, But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that you may know how the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. He said, I'm going to protect my people. My protection is going to be so thorough. He said, a dog's mouth. Amen. A dog's tongue won't even move against my people. That's, that's a metaphor. It's a symbolic statement which means this. I'm going to protect my people to the point that even a dog won't even do them any harm. That's the blood. He protects you from the dog. Satan is like as a type of the dog. It's not just talking about the physical animals in Egypt, but the, the, the devil himself, like a dog, ravenous dog to try to devour the people of God. God said, my blood will so protect you, that dog won't even move his tongue against you. Give the Lord praise in the house. It's the saving blood. It's the protect. That you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. I want the blood applied to my life when judgments begin to fall. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee as I come to a close.
Moses said, they're all going to come and they're going to bow. And they're going to request that we leave. It's going to happen. When the judges begin to fall, the Egyptians are going to bow. The judgments of God begin to fall upon this earth. You've got the blood applied to your life. God is going to protect you. For those that don't have the blood applied to their life, there are people, as I come to a close, that have attended service here in times past that are no longer living for God. There will come a time when those judges begin to fall. The rapture of the church takes place. The bowls of wrath will begin to pour out upon planet earth. The church is raptured. I tell you, if this building is still standing in those days, the backsliders, if that door is locked, the backsliders will break that glass. They will run to the altars when Jesus gives the altar call church is gone. The church is raptured. I heard them preach there in that church. I've got to get back to that church. I've got to get to that altar. When Jesus gives the altar call, these altars will be filled with people who are backslidden, who miss the rapture of the church. When Jesus gives the altar call, Moses said, when this judgment, this finality judgment comes and there's the forced removal of Israel from the land as, and they go into freedom, he said, the Egyptians are going to come and bow. When God's people are delivered, the Egyptians are going to bow. Those that persecuted the church, those that prosecuted the church, those that put the church to death, they're going to bow. Moses said they're going to come and bow. They're going to request that he leaves. And the Bible says, and after that I will go out prophesying the freedom. And then the Bible says he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. Moses did. Moses delivered that message of judgment this final plague that was going to come and when he got through delivering that message he turned and walked out and the Bible says that Moses walked out in great anger this is an aspect of godliness that many people do not know they think that Jesus is passive they don't see Jesus as, a, as a, a, a God of judgment. They would say to you, the Lord would never get angry. Moses walked out in great anger. You know what the Bible says? God is angry with the sinner every day. Every day. When Moses walked out in great anger, he wasn't out of the will of God. He was in the will of God. 
anger, godly anger is a, an aspect of godliness. You don't get angry with sin in your life. You'll never overcome it. You got to get angry with the rebellion. You got to get angry with the pride. You got to get angry with the arrogance. You got to get angry with the hardness of heart. You got to get angry with the disobedience. You got to get angry with it. He went out in great anger. It was God, church. This humble man, this meek man called Moses, displaying that kind of anger. 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 It didn't have to be this way. If only you had listened to if only Pharaoh you had listened. If only you had repented. It didn't have to be this way. You harden your heart. Reprobate now. God's judgment's coming on you in a final way. You've disobeyed the Lord. The anger of God, the wrath of God is coming upon Jesus got angry. When he went into the temple, he overthrew the tables of the money changers. He got angry. He took a cord in his hand. He didn't hit the people with it. He took a cord in his hand to drive out the animals. The tables of the money changers. He got angry. His eyes, you could see a flame of fire in his eyes, man. The, flame, the eyes of a flame of fire in the book of Revelation, you see him standing there with eyes as a flame of fire. One commentator said when Jesus went into the temple in his anger to overthrow the tables of the money changers, they could see the fire in his eyes. You say, oh, when I see those eyes in Jesus, when I see those eyes as a flame of fire, they want to make me run away. No, when you see the eyes as a flame of fire in, the, in, in Jesus, the way to deal with that is to run to Him and embrace Him and repent. Let me repeat myself. When you see those eyes as a flame of fire, you don't run from them, you run to them. Because if you run from them, you're going to experience the judgment of God. But if you run to them and you say, God, forgive me. My God, my God is a jealous God. My God is a jealous God. He is a God. It's a consuming fire. If you don't want to get burned, run to the fire. Run to the eyes. Embrace the eyes. Repent. I see Jesus come with eyes as a flame of fire to judge the house of God. I want to say, yes, Lord. I repent, God. You're right. I'm embracing you, Lord. I humble myself before you. I see it in your eyes. Help me preach. Look at your neighbor and say, I see it in Jesus' eyes. I see it in his eyes. People need to see that in your eyes. They need to see it in my eyes. When God gets angry, He's a good God. He's compassionate. He's merciful. He's gracious. But when God gets angry, 
and begins to do his strange work as the prophets call it. The strange work of his judgment. You're only saved if you run to him, not away from him. Run to him. Close eyes. Run to him. Sometimes preachers get to preaching, male or female. Preachers get to preaching. You'll see a fire in their eye. You see something in their look. There's something different. You say, I want to run from it. He scares me. I want to run from it. You don't run from it. You run to it. You run to the altar. You get to the altar. God needs meek men and meek women of God to preach the word of God. As we've already declared that Moses was. And then when God begins to show His the spirit of anger through those people, that's another sign to the church. That normally that woman or that man is a meek person, a humble person. You see them transformed by the power of the living God. That's a sign to you. I got to get to an altar. I got to get there right now. Because that's not their fire burning. That's God's light. That's God's fire. That's God's passion burning on your behalf. Get to an altar. It's an aspect of Godliness. Moses, the Bible said, he went out in great anger. See, I don't believe that anger is of God. It is. When it's godly and it's against sin. It's not going to be out of control. <laughs> Hello. It's not going to be out of control where you lose control of yourself. That's the flesh. Say with me, that's the flesh. Say it like that. That's the flesh. Say it again. I'm not talking about the flesh. I'm talking about the spirit of the living God. Somebody said, Amen. When I first started. I was the last person wanted to be up here when I first started preaching. Now I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good now. You want to come and say, I can preach for you now. I say, no, I'm doing all right, I'm all right now. Why didn't you come at the beginning when I was scared half to death? Not really scared. But you know what I'm saying? There's something that gets a hold of you. Let God get a hold of you. Let God get, let a fire get a hold of you. A fire that'll burn sin out of your life. A fire that sets upon the tops of your head. That fire burn out lying. It'll burn lying out of your soul. That cloven tongue is a fire. Holy Ghost will burn out lying. It'll burn out stealing. It'll burn out murder. It'll burn out theft. It'll burn it out. It'll burn that flesh. It'll burn your pride. Let the fire burn in you. Cloven tongues. Clean fire. Clean animals. Jesus' name. He went out in great anger. 
I don't want God's anger to fall on me. He's a good God for God to get angry. He's angry with sin. Not just sin in the world, but sin in the church. He has a zeal for you. He has a zeal for me. He has a zeal for His Word. He has a zeal. God has a zeal. Look at your name and say, help me preach. God has a zeal. Now tell him it's not. He said, oh, that man just getting in the flesh. No, he's not in the flesh. It's a zeal of God. You ever see Sister Melvis get up here? She's all real quiet, shy, bashful. You ever talk to her? You ever, do you? I know most of y'all are scared half to death to even go say hello to her. You are. You're scared half to death. You know? You don't go say much. But you go talk to her like, you know, right now, she's all real quiet, bashful, shy, humble, you know? And then she gets up here and She roars like a lion. And I'm going, okay. Okay. You know, and I just stand there and act like I'm, I'm okay. Like you do. I'm okay. You're okay. <laughs> no, I want to scream out, God, have mercy on me. I want to be like Bartimaeus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Hey. I'll tell you the truth. I tell you, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm a, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. But the servants of God don't hear me. I'll tell you the truth. They put the fear of God in you. You ever lose a reverence or respect for the servants of God, you're on your way down. They put the fear of God in you. Why? Because they represent God. You want to point a finger at me. You want to talk about it. You want to talk about it. How dare you talk about it? I'm not talking about myself. How dare you talk about the servants of God? You should have a fear in you. They represent God Almighty. You ever get to a place in your life where you think you're the authority and you can talk against the servants of God? You're heading down, brother. I'm not talking about myself. I fear God and I fear the servants of the Lord in a healthy way. Does that make sense? In a healthy way. It's called respect. It's called reverence. You say, well, I see something wrong. You're not the one to point it out. Okay, you see something wrong. You don't point it out. You let somebody that's qualified and is in, a, in at least equal or greater rank than they are point it out. You don't touch it. I don't say it for me. Okay? But people, people want to talk to me about their pastors or they want to talk to me about this and that. Woo, I tell them. It might, it might be happening, but I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you. 
You get somebody of equal rank or greater rank than them, I'll listen to them. But there's just some things you need to leave alone. You pray about it. You pray about it. Keep your opinion. Yes. Have critical a critical mind. Yes. Where you need to be critical. I'm not taking that away from you. But you stand up and you start making it your position, your place. I promise you, okay, and I love everyone. And again, it's not about me. I promise you, I promise you, it's not about me, what I'm saying. When somebody comes to me with an opinion against a servant of God, I'll listen. I'll talk to them, okay? As a pastor, I'll talk to them. But then I'm going to just step back and I'm going to watch. And I promise you, you will see decisions that are made by that individual. And it will start coming in. It's not right. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to discipline them oftentimes. You will see their life will begin to be a life made of many wrong decisions. They will begin to have huge problems. They said, well, there was something wrong. Maybe so, but you weren't the one. The prophet said, touch not the Lord's anointed. Do his prophets no harm. You start touching the anointing of God. It's not just the person. You're touching his anointing. I promise you God's bigger than the ones he sends. He'll spank them pretty hard. I mean, I love Jesus. I mean, I love him. Hey, come on. I'm trying to help you. I really honestly am. It's not about me. I promise you. I'm telling you. If you want victory in your life, you want peace in your life, you want to be used by God, walk that way. Have super duper respect for the servants of God. Say amen. I wouldn't, would y'all want Moses to get mad at you? I don't think I don't want Moses to get mad at me. Some of you don't care. That's your problem. You don't care. You get Moses get mad at you. Who do you think he is? You stand, you wait a while, you'll find out who he is. And he, he won't be he won't be the one to have to do it. You just wait around long enough and you're gonna find out who he is. kidding me? Moses, I think I'd be shaken. Moses came up, preached. If, if Moses came to preach this morning, would y'all stand up? And, would y'all be in trembling? You think he'd tremble? If Moses was here, I preach to you, Moses. I preach to a man, a man that turned and went out in great anger. I preach him to you. And you said that. It's okay if you sit there in fear and trembling. Because I stand before you in fear and trembling. Paul said, I come before you in great fear and trembling. I come before you that way today. Reverence. Respect. Somebody say amen. So you come 
you start talking about this servant of God or that servant of God, I'm just going to look at you. And I may talk to you a little bit, but I'm going to watch. I'm going to see. And with time, you're going to start making some really bad decisions. I mean, I love the Lord. I want somebody to stand up in this pulpit and when they preach, I want something, I want to move. I want to be moved. I need God. I need to repent. I'm wicked on the inside and so are you. Paul said there's no good thing in him. Only thing that's good in you is God. I need God. I want somebody to preach preach me into an altar. I want somebody to preach me under conviction. I want somebody that will preach to me. I'll repent of the pride and the arrogance in my life. Get rid of the stupidity. Give me a man or a woman of God. Preach to me. Be it man or woman. I used to go here, sister, and I'm coming to a close. I went to hear Sister Mangan preach years ago. The old white-haired saint of God. Man, she got enough hair to touch the sky. That's a good thing. She'd get up and preaching, and I'll talk about prophets of God. Like T.W. Barnes when he was alive. Prophets of God. That woman get up and preach. They'd get on their face. She preached with such conviction, such power. And normally it was along the lines of humility. She had put the prophets of God on their face. They'd stand up and testify after she preached. She said, thank you, Sister Mangan. You put me on my face tonight. After this, you lost the fear of God. We get used to it sometimes, don't we? We do. No, I'm not. I promise you, church, I looked you. I'm telling you the truth. I tell you as your pastor, I will never lose the fear of God that I have. That's why I'm going to preach to you like I do until God, God's done with me. That's why I can stand up service after service and preach the way I do because I've never lost the fear of God in my life. I've been walking with Him for over 30 years and preaching a little over 20, hallelujah, but I've never lost the fear of God or the reverence or the respect for God in my life. You've got to have conviction. You've got to have fire. You've got to have reverence. You've got to protect the valuable as He preached. Okay. Another thing too is some people just get tired. They get tired of hearing the, an hour or two hour preaching. Amen. They do. They get tired. I'm gonna let you go. Good news. Look at your neighbor. Say good news. He's fixing to let us go. Cause I'm really starting to feel uncomfortable being here. I want you to be. If you come to the house of God and you're comfortable, I'm not even comfortable. What's that? One preacher said, the purpose of God is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comforted. 
So if you're afflicted today, God be merciful to you. Pray that you're comforted. If you're comforted, I pray you're afflicted. Afflict the comforted and comfort the afflicted. <laughs> and he's the worst of them right here. This guy right here. This man right here. He's the worst of them. He needs to get on his face and repent, Melvis. Before you go to Zambia and start your church, you need to preach this guy in tears until tears start running down his face. Look at him standing up there all pretty. <laughs> Thank God for it, huh? There's, a, there's an aspect of God called anger. That's godliness. Thank you, Jesus. I thank God for that. You know why I thank God for that? Because I get in a lot of trouble. I could. I get in a lot of trouble. A lot of people point at me and say, hey, man, you, you, get, too, you get angry. You shouldn't get angry. Fleshly anger, no. But godly anger, yes. I say, okay, Pastor, give me a Bible. You got it. Give me chapter and verse, Pastor. You got it. Is there anything in your life that bothers you enough to make you angry enough to do something about it? Do this mic. Did you do that? This one does. Hey, I get to go another three hours. Hallelujah, that's... Man, you better thank God you got this fixed before service is over. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, man. Microphone here. Is that you? Bishop? No. Do you even know? You? Who? He didn't want to tell on anybody. Hey, man, I'm a nice guy. Hey, uh, it was who? Daniel. That's okay. It's only a thousand dollars. It was too, isn't it? Oh, we want a new mic. We're going to get Brother Jared up in the choir, man. I don't know when, but he's going to have to have a good mic. Of course, I don't even know if he needs a mic. Y'all hear him? Stand up, Jared. In case people don't know who you are. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to put a, put a mic in this guy's hand. give you this one because it's already broke. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, and coming to close, verse 9, the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. This is a summary. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. It's a summary of everything that we preached up to this point.
concerning the mighty judgments of God, the mighty hand of God upon the land of Egypt, that his people might be delivered. When God gets ready to send his judgments on the earth, is that his people might be delivered. And that the earth, by those signs, would listen and would repent. Let's stand. Father God, we come before you right now. We thank you for your awesome presence. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord, by your word this morning. God, I humble myself today in your mighty presence. God, I've been very bold before your people. Preach with boldness. Father God, I ask you right now to hear our prayers, to hear our cries. Repentance, prayers of repentance, Father. We thank you for your blood that saves us and protects us. Lord, as we live in this end time, we begin to see the judgments of God fall upon the earth. Use us, Lord, to be a witness, to be a sign to the peoples around us that they would repent. They would be baptized in your awesome name, the name of Jesus. They would be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues that the blood may be applied to their heart, to their lives and be spared the wrath of God. Thank you for saving me, finding me. I remember where I came from. I look to you, I look to the cross, I look to the blood. And I thank you right now, Father, that your blood is upon my heart and my life. So that when your presence comes down, your spirit comes down. As it comes down in wrath, it hits the blood and turns into mercy. As you lift your hands, church, in the presence of the Lord, just plead the blood of Jesus over your heart, over your mind, and over your spirit. Because when the presence of God comes down in a service, it comes down in wrath until it hits the blood. And when it hits the blood, it comes mercy. Lord, I thank you right now for your mercy, for your grace. I pray, Lord, for the backsliders, those that are away from you once again. Bring them back, Lord. Let them return before it's too late. We intercede on their behalf tonight, today. Draw them back, God. For the lukewarm in the church today, let your fire burn, burn within them. For those who need to be forgiven, thank you for your blood today that cleanses us from all sin. For those that need to be encouraged, let them exercise their, your, their faith in your word. As Moses and Aaron, they obeyed you in everything. Let us obey you in everything in these last days. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Yes. Give